0: I want to share a message that that I've really been grappling with. And, you know, it's I get up in the morning and and I go to my my daughter. She's two years old and there are two of them. And uh, the first thing that happens is they get to this point where they think that they are invincible. They think that they can do anything. And she's got this word now that goes shelf. The moment you hear that word, you know that life is going to get extremely difficult for you at that present moment. She wants to get out the car herself, and you know, you know these car seats are made for, for children not to be able to get out, and you try and explain that to a two-year-old, and she thinks that you're talking absolute rubbish, but she can do it shelf. She can get out this, this thing. She can make a cup of coffee shelf, and she can pour the milk into your coffee shelf, and you know that when you make coffee, you only put about that much coffee into the, the milk in the top, but we go two liters. One goes all over the floor, all over the shelf. And you want to try and tell her that she can't do it shelf. And and it's, it's carnage. Absolute carnage. But there's something inside of this little girl that says, I believe I can do it. You believe you can't. You believe I can't. But I know I can. And I believe in me. And I believe in what I can do. And we get to this point now where I do self. I do self. So now we're putting sentences together. And it's absolutely ridiculous, the damage that shelf causes in the house. (laughs) Don't clap, brother. It's it's a painful experience. But there's something about belief that, that I really, honestly, it's believing that we are saved. If I had to say to you as a church, what does John 3, verse 16 say? And I say, put up your hands if you know John three 16. Let's just go. Who knows John three sixteen? One, two, three. 1, 2, 3. There we go. Look at that. Powerful. But who knows John 17, 1, 3? Guys? Guys? Who knows John 17, 1, 3? Not, eh? You see, therein lies the problem. Listen to this. This is just a prop. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. John 17, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. Verse 2. As you have given him authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. John 17 verse 3. I think far more important than John 3 16. And this is eternal life. And this is eternal life. That you may know that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, friends, our salvation comes from our belief. And that is a definition in Scripture. The only definition in the whole of Scripture that talks about eternal life is John 17, verse 3. Please, when I ask you next week, let's put up our hands. Because we must know that our eternal life, the future of our lives, the future of our souls, the future of our relationship with God lies in this, that we believe in God the only, that we believe in God the Father, the only true God, and that we believe in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Nowhere does it say there that your acts, and that's Ephesians 1 verse 10, nowhere in the scriptures does it say that your acts will get you into heaven. Now that's an amazing thing. What it does say is that if you believe in the father as the only true God and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent, who died on the cross, who shed his blood, who gave his life. Then that shelf belief. Allows to me to understand I'm somebody special. Because I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in what he did through his son. Therefore, shelf can truly walk out of here today knowing that I'm saved. And I'm saved to the uttermost. And that's what I want to pick up on today, guys. Is that our acts are not acts of salvation. But they are acts of bearing fruit to the kingdom of God. And the reason why I'm challenged by this is because we've got a little oak there in our in our family. He was born with a club foot. And... Oh, you know, just traumatic. You know, you've got this foot that's crawling back up its leg. And immediately I just think of Jimmy and I think of Lizelle and I think, you know what? They're friends that have been through this. And immediately there's, there's, there's encouragement. And so we go off to the Frio Hospital every week on a Wednesday morning. We go off there and we're all very sorry for ourselves until we get to the Frio Hospital. And when you walk into the Frio Hospital, you begin to realize your life He's so rosy. So rosy. In fact, I get emotional when I think about it because I see the kids there. Kids that haven't been able to walk for years. I see kids there that are sitting in wheelchairs. Kids that are packing their bags at 9 o'clock the night before to get on a bus to come from Mount Aleph to come to the doctor. I see kids there with with stakes out of their legs and and pins and, and bruises and scrapes and... I see medullas standing there walking on old tree stumps. That's his crutch. And I think to myself, what's in my heart? What's in my heart? Do I please God through the life that I live daily? Do I please God? Because you know what? Once we believe that we are saved, there's an element of, 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 of gratitude and return that God must receive. I want you to turn with me if you have got your Bibles. And if you haven't, I want you just to record this. Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14. Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14. Okay? So I want you all to just walk with me and believe and say, I believe in shelf. I believe I am saved. I believe in God, the only true Father. And I believe in Jesus Christ who sent us. So now that we've got salvation out of the way, that's not the call today. We're in the upside-down kingdom, friends. We're in the upside-down kingdom. I was sharing with Andre the other day. I was just saying, I love this church. I love this church because of its absolute passion for marriage. I love this church for the, for, for, for the way that we fight for marriage. I love this church because of the way that it challenges me as a divorced person. What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? I love the fact that I'm being constantly challenged that even though I've been blessed with a second marriage, marriage is a covenant of God. And I'm being challenged all the time. I love it. But you know what else I love? I love the upside down kingdom in this church. Where it says even though you are divorced, you are loved. When we go into the prisons and we say to murderers, even though you have killed somebody, you can be loved. It's a powerful kingdom that Andre is talking to us about. It's a kingdom that turns the world upside down. And we have to be a part of this revolution. We have to be a part of a a, a church that mobilizes in a country that is looking for leadership, friends. We are not finding leadership in political powers. And we never will. We never have. Please don't get the idea that I'm saying that Jacob Zuma this and that. I'm saying F.W. Klerk. I'm saying B.J. Forster. I'm saying Donald Trump. We will never find true leadership in man. We will only find true leadership when the church arises and shows the upside-down kingdom to the people of our land. And we have to adopt that. We have to believe in shelf. Please don't let anybody judge you. Please don't let anybody put you down. You try and put my twins down when they're making coffee for me in the morning. You can't put them down. They will make a mess. They will destroy the house. Shelf. We're even taking our own poo nappies off and wiping them and putting it on. It's shelf. I don't want to get into the details of that. But it's happening. I'm just going to put my props back on. I want you just to listen to a very profound piece of scripture. Colossians 1 verse 9 to 14. It says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in his wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. This is it. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. God has given us shelf. God has given us a belief. He's given us something to cling to. His life, his ransom, his blood, he's given that to us. And then he says that you may walk in a life worthy of the Lord. And then he says, fully pleasing him. question I want to ask this morning is, are we pleasing God? Do you please God? And the, the, the analogy that I want to use is, when your children come home and they take their poo nappy off, and 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 you look at this and you think what has happened you there's that element of i'm not pleased there's that element of what's happened you but there's also that element of my beautiful daughter's done this and you go in there and you clean it up and eventually you walk out and you see her sitting on the couch there saying i love you daddy This is what today's about. Today's about us taking our nappies off in the world. Today's about us losing our tempers. Today's about us as as maybe being involved in shady deals or, or or. But today we come back and we look at dad and we say, I love you, dad. Today's not just about singing songs. Today's about a revolution of our lives. Today's about us coming before God and saying, I love you, dad. I love you. Please don't just sing songs when you come to church But believe in shelf when my little girls tell me they love i tell you what 47 years of age i got two twins under the age of two and i've got a little one that's only three months old and people look at me and they laugh at me and they say yes but six kids yeah you're mad no i'm blessed i'm blessed and when my joel comes home and he's in grade 10 And my little girls just run up to him and they just grab him by the legs and they tell him to... I'm blessed. Shelf. I have a belief in the presence of God. And so this morning, I want to just deal with four things. Listen to what it says. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Listen to this. Being fruitful in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, okay. Strengthened with all might, according to the glorious power for all the patience and long suffering with joy, and then giving thanks, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of an inheritance of the saints in the light. There are four things that I want to quickly, briefly deal with, and then I'm going to ask you: Are you part of a revolution? Firstly, a life that bears fruit. I want to just say to you briefly about this. A life that bears fruit is when you take a tree, you plant it in the garden. Okay? You plant it in the garden. At that moment, it signifies us coming to God. Do you remember the day when you gave your life to Jesus? For some of us, we can't. It's so long ago. But Maybe we need to uproot that moment. Maybe we need to say to that moment when we planted that tree, let's get it out. Let's prune it. Let's clean up the garden. Some of us can't remember the day we gave our lives to Jesus. And yet we're just going through the motions. You see, when you plant that tree, friends, when you stand before God and you say, God, I believe in shelf. I believe in you. There's a moment when fruit starts to grow. You don't just plant a tree and all of a sudden you have a whole harvest. It takes time. It takes time. And the farmer will go out to his trees into his orchard and he will look at it and he will look at this and he'll say, no, this is not good. He cuts it off. He throws it away. There's more fruit on the tree than there was last year, but it's not good enough to plant. And for me, my anger, (laughs) I still get angry, but it's not venom filled. Do you understand? So, I want to encourage all of us. Please don't, because you lose your temper, give up on God. Please. Don't, because something goes wrong and you respond in a different way, or you say a swear word. I'm not, please, please don't tell Andre I'm saying it's okay to swear. I'm not. But what I am saying is if you do, cut it off and start again. We don't give up. We're walking lives worthy of God's gift of life. Bearing fruit is a process, friends. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. And we need to be patient and we need to take that time. We need to be patient. We need to take time. And we need to be a fruit that is worthy of God. Jesus says in Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. You have to analyze your heart, friends. Please don't judge me. Please don't judge me. Don't look at the fact that I lost my temper yesterday. Don't. Look at my heart. Look at what kind of tree I am. Look at what kind of fruit I'm going to bear in the future. Please. Don't judge me on today. Judge me on then. I might produce a bad fruit here and a bad fruit there and a bad fruit that falls off and rots and God will. Ah, yes. But I'm not saved by the fruit. It's on my tree. I'm saved because I believe in shelf. I believe in God. You can't tell me I'm a Christian or I'm not a Christian. The same I can't tell you. But we need to be looking what's inside of us, guys. And we need to be looking at what fruit we are giving to the world. It's no good us shouting at the politicians and saying, geez, you corrupt bunch of individuals. When the church may well be filled with individuals that are corrupt. And the only way that we rid the church of corrupt people is when you and I rid ourselves of corruption. I'm not saying you're corrupt, please. But we can't be judging. We need to be pruning. You understand what I'm trying to say? We don't, it's so easy to judge others. But there's so much fruit in our lives that needs to just be cut off and taken out. You see, where our treasure is, that is where our heart lies. And if our treasure is in the fruit that we are bearing, if our treasure is in the life that we are leading, if our treasure is in the life that we are working worthy with the God, then our heart will lie there. And our heart will challenge us. And our heart will change us. So friends, bear fruit that is worthy of God. It takes time. Please don't become discouraged. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Thank you. The person who's living in God's presence will begin to see a change in their values. You see, maybe those that are cheating will become those that deal honestly. Those that have been abusive in their speech and abusive towards their wives will move towards kindness. Those maybe who used others for their own good will will begin to serve and begin to to wash people's feet. Maybe if you, you tear people down, Maybe if you bear false witness or you gossip, maybe, maybe you begin to edify them. You need to de- identify those things that need to be changed. But this is the essence of it, guys. You see, please don't judge me because I gossip. Okay? And the way that I stop gossiping and the way that I stop cheating people and the way that I stop becoming abusive and the way that is not because... Of anything other than drawing near to God. In John 15 verse 4 it says, Remain in me, abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, friends. This is the essence. Bearing of fruit, works, doesn't save us. Works doesn't qualify us as better Christians. What qualifies us is if we remain in God, when we draw near to him. That's what I want to talk about. It's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of getting closer to God. You can't give up swearing by trying. You give up swearing by drawing closer to God. You can't save your marriage by trying. You've got to save your marriage by drawing closer to God. It's crucial. It's fundamental. You can't. You can't carry on a life of bitterness until you draw close to God. Unforgiveness, resentment, anger, gossip, whatever. You can't eradicate those by trying. Draw closer to God. Secondly, we are challenged to know God more intimately. This is John 17, verse 3. When we know God more intimately. I don't want to know facts about God. I don't want to go to every Bible study. I don't want to go to every Bible course and study every theological degree. No. While those things are very good, and I've done some of those things, the bottom line is I need to know God. So like when people come in here, They look at my little girl. She sits in the prayer room with us this morning. Absolute angel. Absolute angel. People walk out of there and say, she just sat quietly. She held her biscuit. She licked the chocolate. You don't know her. You don't know her. Don't be be fooled by that. And if somebody had to come in here and start writing a manual about, about good children, she's able to be top of the list, man. She just sat. we need more prayer meetings in the house. You don't know her. You don't. I know her. Yeah. I know her. Because I know her personally. I know her intimately. So, friends, secondly, when we grow in knowledge of God, we grow in the knowledge to deepen our innermost relationship with the King. Now that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. We all work for bosses, and we all know the boss works upstairs in the flippin' room there with the big desk, the fridge that's filled with beers. He's got his own. He's the boss. He's the boss. Does that boss ever invite you into his into his office and say, "Come talk to me"? Oh, I'm Dame Le Chrysler, there we go. Who works at Dame Le Chrysler? Imagine working with a CEO from Germany. Has he ever invited you into his office and said, come and have a drink with me. Come, I'll put some sandwiches on the table. You know of him, and you know what he's like, and you know what he studied, and you know, but do you know him? Now, here's the thing. The CEO of Mercedes-Benz won't invite these two oats in. My headmaster doesn't invite me and I just go in. But do they know him personally? And the thing is that God, the creator of the world, the guy who had the vision for every rock that is planted on the shoreline of our city, the guy that took every tree and planted it there, the guy who created every animal for us to enjoy. That same guy who's so busy around the world is saying to us through Jesus, come into my office. Come and know me. I don't want you to hear just what other people are saying about me, telling you. I want you to come into my office and I want you to sit down with me and experience my life. Experience my love. How many of us know God intimately? But if we are going to walk a, walk a life that is worthy of walking with him, you, you can't do it unless you know God intimately. How many of us spend a lot of time just substituting facts for relationship? How many of us read the Bible just to gain factual information? But we don't discern the heart of God. How many of us have read the chapter, John's Gospel? And I'm not picking on you, and I know you think I am, but I'm not. But John 17, verse 3, such a profound verse of Scripture, yet we've read it. Lots of times. And yet it defines eternal life. And yet, we've read it. We all did God is saying to us, you can be saved because you know me. You can be saved because you know Jesus Christ. You can be saved not because of the things you do, but because of the person you know. Thirdly, he talks about patience and difficult people. Perseverance. Andre spoke about it, I think, last week. He spoke about that hardship, that frustration, that struggle. Guys, I just want to tell you something. Life will throw rubbish at you. Forget it. There's not one person in the whole of creation that can truly say they died. And they never were financially struggling. They never had a bad relationship with somebody else. They never had a physical ailment. I want to tell you right now, guys, if you are here and you are in the church and you think that because you've got Jesus Christ on your side that you are not going to have struggles in life, forget it. Forget it. Get up and walk out. This is not the place. Because God is saying that through our struggles... He will work to our glory. He will work good in everything. And the other day I was just sitting in the in the hospital. I saw this lady. She must have been she must have been ninety years of age. She had no teeth. And I just remember her walking in. She was she's bent over. She's got this big thing on her head. And she's carrying a fourteen year old boy on her back. Uh, He must be mentally retarded or whatever, but his body's like this, he's stiff. And she's carrying him, and she does every Wednesday I see him, and she challenges me every week, and she walks, she puts him down, she goes from doctor to doctor. And I'm looking to myself, and I'm saying, where's the church? Where's the church in all of this?" Can you imagine on a Wednesday morning if we got a couple of guitarists together, a couple of flasks of coffee, maybe pots of soup? Exactly what Nicole is doing and her heart is there and I I just want to embrace it and I I want to acknowledge it and I want to... Can you imagine if we went into that hospital on a Wednesday morning and we sang what we sang this morning with those people? You see, friends, life... Is full of hardship. That's how we deal with it. It's how we give hope in the midst of that situation. Not that we judge them. Not that we look down on them. Not that we just hope and pray that we see the doctor quickly so we can get out of this God-forsaken place. I spent quite a bit of time with Sorrel, who's one of the doctors there, and, and Gerard, just, I honor these guys. I honor these guys at Freer. Because they just work in the midst of such problematic situations, and yet they are the voice of God. Are we the voice of God? And I'm not saying we have to go to the hospital to do this, friends. But what I am saying is, do we have tenacity in the face of struggle? Or do we have the self-pity? I, I just wish... One of the prayers that this morning in our prayer meeting was so powerful. The spirit of self-pity. And I'm just so touched by that. Because if we have a spirit of self-pity, if we are focused on ourselves, if we are focused on our own problems, we need to get that out of us. We need to abandon self-pity. We need to stand up and be victorious. We need to be victors, not victims. And we can only do that when we realize that we have the strength from God to, to see off all of this stuff. As I was going over my sermon this morning, Shelf got hold of it and started drawing all over it because she can hold a pen. There she is in all her glory. And then lastly, living gratefully. We are told to live gratefully. Are we thankful? Are we thankful for the love that we receive from others? Do we complain about the weather? Do we complain about the income that we have? Because you know what, friends, I read the saying the other day from my brother-in-law. And he just said, that if we are not happy with what we have now, who says we will be happy with when we get more? That's most powerful. Hey? We end up chasing things for life and we want bigger cars and better this and bigger houses. <coughs> when we get the bigger house, will we be happy? But if we are grateful for what we have now. There's a spiritual attack on that evil. That the devil wants us to tell us we deserve more. We need to be grateful for what we have right now. And share what we have. Do we complain about how the food is cooked? Nah. Poor waitress. She's not the one that even cooks the food. And yet we go in there and we're Christians and this that, and the other. But yeah, we're quick to jump on the bandwagon. Do we... Do we, do we criticize and complain about the roads that we drive on? Do we criticize about the fact that we have to stand in queues in the shops? And then when I look at the Zimbabweans, they don't even have shops that got stuff in for them to stand in the queue. How we complain? And every time we complain about something, I guarantee if you took the time and you look somewhere else in the world, somebody else would love to trade places with you right now, to be in that queue to wait for a loaf of bread. Look at those refugees from from um not Syria, the new one, um, Neymar, Neymar whatever. Four hundred and fifty refugees that are crossing the border. You ask yourself. You're 50 years of age, and all you're doing is you're taking your belongings in a bag across a river so that you can go and live on the other side of the river so that you're not exposed because of the ethnicity of your skin. Wow, it's still happening in this world. We're in a country where we are free. We're in a country where we are free. Yes, we've got problems, but you know what? We have the choice. To love black people and white people and gray people and colored people. We have the choice. There are people in the world that don't have that choice. They just have to hate others. Are we grateful? And I want to say, friends, that if we are going to believe in shelf, if we are going to believe that we are saved, then we have the right and we have the call to walk a life worthy with God, bearing fruit to change the world. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stand up and to say to yourself, I am saved. I am saved to the uttermost. Nobody can take away my salvation. Nobody can say anything about me that destroys God's love and God's mercy on my life. And nobody may say to me that I'm not a Christian because I'm doing this. Only I can say that. And only the Spirit of God can convict me of that. I'm the farmer of my tree. Because God has given me this tree to to nurture and to grow and to love. And God wants to use this tree. And God wants to make this tree show others what a life living in the vineyard of God's grace is all about. Absolutely. And, 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 And God may send somebody else to come and give me advice. But ultimately, I'm the only one that can cut the bad fruit off. My tree. And somebody can say to me, you know what, Gareth, the way you speak, it's a bit offensive at times. Maybe you need to cut back on the the language. And you know, he can say as much as he wants to, but ultimately it's me. When I draw near to God, I begin to cut off that fruit. I want us to be fruit-bearing people. I want us to show the world what the church is all about, what God's kingdom is all about. I want us to work and to love and to do everything that God's kingdom stands for. And you know, it's hard. It's hard to forgive. I've been challenged. A few people in my life that I can't forgive. I mean, the one is my mother, my dead mother. Wow. It's hard. Hard to forgive her for the things she did to me. It's hard. But I'm getting there, friends. And you know how joyful I'm beginning to become. Because I'm able to understand that maybe my mother went through some things in her life that have caused her to be like she is. But I'm enjoying this experience. I'm enjoying this challenge. And soon I'm going to be able to say to my mother, I love you. I haven't said it in 47 years. But I'm getting there. It's on my lips. It's an upside down kingdom. Friends, maybe tomorrow you need to go into the working environment. Because I'm on holiday. (laughs) Maybe you can go to work. Maybe tomorrow you need to go to somebody at work and repair a relationship that's been damaged. Maybe we even need to go home to our spouses or to our children. We need to repair a relationship that's been damaged. Oh, Maybe we even need to go home and repair a relationship with a God who loves us so much that has been damaged. But friends, I want to tell you something. The upside-down kingdom is the only way. It's the only way. And this morning, as the music guys just lead us in a time of prayer and worship, I want you to be bold, and we're not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to say if you want to cut out this or cut out that or cut out this or this or that or whatever. I, nobody needs to know why you're putting up your hands. Nobody needs to know why you're standing. First and foremost, I want to say, if you don't believe in self, if you don't believe that you have been saved to the uttermost, stand today. If you have something in your life that is pulling you down and you know it's pulling you down, take it to God and say, God, help me to cut off the fruit. Maybe your relationship with God is not deep. Maybe you are not spending enough time with Him. Maybe you are not growing in an intimate relationship with God. Stand today. Maybe the fruit is growing too slowly and you think that you are not worthy of of being a super Christian. Stand today and say, there are no super Christians. Every man who lives under the blood of God is superman, superwoman. But if you don't believe in your validity, if you don't believe in the power that you have inside of you, stand today. And the reason why we're going to stand today is because we're going to stand and look to the eyes of God. In the prayer today, somebody just prayed about those eyes of Jesus fixing on our eyes. I want you to stand today. I want you to look up into the heavens. I want you to see the eyes of Jesus looking into your life and saying, I'm not judging you on where you are today. I'm judging you on where you're going. I'm judging you on potential. I'm judging you on the fruit that I know this tree is going to bear." Believe in shelf, friends. First and foremost, you are saved to the uttermost. Believe in it. Walk in it. It's a promise. But then stand. And say to God today, I believe...